Hi, my tribe. I, um, I just got off a phone meeting for anorexia and bulimics where I was asked to be the speaker. And it was, of course, an honor and a privilege. And also, it was really interesting to tell my story through the lens of anorexia and bulimia and to really call out those specific types of experience and to create a narrative around my restricting and binging and then getting rid of behaviors. So it was it was a really great exercise. It really helped me see how since Kim asked me to do it since then and preparing for the talk, like how restricting in all of its forms have played out in my life, not just with food, but in other areas. Anyway, so hopefully you'll get something out of it. And if not, you just love the sound of my voice, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> okay, love you guys. Bye. Go ahead and give you the floor. Okay, hi. Um, first of all, uh, my name is Nicole and I am a sugar addict, bulimic, and a restrictor. And um, I want to thank uh, Kim for asking me to be of service and I'm going to pray that I am of service to this meeting and that I say something, even if it's just one thing that is useful to one person. Um, <clears throat> so when Kim asked me to speak, I started really focusing on my um, restrictive bulimic behaviors and so I'm going to kind of tell my story mainly through that lens and where I'm at now with um, understanding my disease. So I don't want to spend too much time on what it was like, but I'll give a little thumbnail sketch. And um, <clears throat> I'm intentionally not going to focus on the weight because the weight was all over the place, but the behaviors were consistently the same. But I'd say that, um, you know, my the the seeds of my eating disorder were planted young um, but they really uh, you know came into fruition uh, at puberty and that's when the um, drive to eat to binge actually really um, took hold and I'm sort of a mixture of, I'm more I'm a mixture of a binger and a grazer and what I mean by that is um, I've seen pictures where they'll show you know a table full of food like piles of food that you know someone will eat sit down and eat at one time and I won't do that at one time I'll just eat that whole table of food over the course of the evening um, so, and then also sometimes grazing can be where I'm just picking at food, um, all day long. So it's not even that it's a lot of food. It's just that I'm constantly putting something in my mouth. So, um, so yeah, so elementary or puberty is, is definitely when, you know, um, you know, my home life wasn't great. The rules of the game were changing around my body and uh, and having a woman's body. My body was changing 
And I think that's when I just really turned to the food and I just really started to, to eat. Well, and then at the same time that that was happening, that was happening, my mother was a um, fitness instructor at the YMCA and, um, and her, she, uh, she was actually, she taught aerobic classes and so she was drinking tab and eating broccoli with blended tofu. Um, you know, this was before, you know, there was no Splenda, there was no equal sweet and low, nothing like that. And, um, and so uh, the obsession with losing weight and being on a diet. And so that, you know, that environment is where I developed this incredible obsession and compulsion to eat. And then this incredible drive to restrict and control. And, and so, you know, I, when I listen to anorexics, I can really identify like my restrictor part can really identify around, you know, feeling really good when I feel that I am absolutely in control and in control of certainly of the food that goes in my mouth and I'm being very strict with what I'm eating, you know. However, I only go, like if I were on a scale, I wouldn't cross over into anorexia because while I'm over there, you know, doing controlling behavior and restricting behavior, the, the drive to binge and let go of control is actually building up. And so then that would eventually lead to sort of, you know, failing a diet or getting off a diet and then eating whatever, whatever I wanted as much as I wanted. And then of course, you know, the consequence of that, you know, being really unhappy with the weight gain, um, let alone the feelings of that, and then, you know, wanting to, you know, pull it together again, just like that Nick pull it together, that quote, you know, I just gotta pull it together. I just gotta get myself back into control. And so um, I did that for a number of years and then I came into program in 98. It was not my first program and it was very emotional for me. I didn't know, you know, other people felt the way that I felt about food and uh, especially around the body image dysmorphia. I was not, um, I was not a bulimic in the sense that I looked a normal body weight. I was, I was overweight and yet I managed to maintain instead of like going up and going up and going up, I managed just to keep myself at a certain large size because, you know, and how I managed to do that was with the restricting and then the um, uh, binging. And for me, I felt I needed to be at a larger size because I needed to feel safe in the world. And it was my way of desexualizing the body. It was my way of taking my, myself out of the game of flirtation and the game of, you know, um, you know, finding partners and everything. I mean, I had partners, but that wasn't the point. The point was, is that I didn't want to, you know, be sexualized in any way. And so 
I, you know, so I was at a larger size and then I came into OA and, and I had all of these behaviors already built into me. Oh, and I forgot to mention that I also had, um, briefly I did the laxative thing, but I just couldn't deal with that. That's, it was just way too uncomfortable. It was extremely tempting and I fell back on it a few times, but I just really, you know, I, I couldn't. I found other ways of doing bulimia, including the compulsive exercise. So I found that my form of bulimia was um, compulsive exercising, restricting, and then I came into the rooms um, and I learned a moderate healthy food plan and I lost weight slowly. Um, and then I got to goal weight and I was there for quite a while and then life on life's terms happened and in the course of doing my of losing the weight and doing recovery work and doing therapy work um, I uh, discovered uh, or uncovered um, some incest memories now I already had um, uh, abuse memories that I remembered but these were ones that I had um, not remembered and it was very devastating for me these these involved someone else and um, and that kind of annihilated me uh, in all senses of the word and that's when and then I relapsed and that's when I discovered purging and the purging for me had a completely different feel to it than the restricting or the over exercising now I want to, before I go into the purging, the restricting had this wonderful sense of I'm back in control. And so that sense of like, it just gave me this high, like that I had, that I was driving the car and I knew exactly where I was going and I had my seatbelt on and I was following all the rules and I was in charge. That's what restricting and control gave me is that sense that I was in charge of where this car was going. Now the uh, purging or the binging and the over exercising was the endorphin rush was certainly like not only the um, the exercising was you know that the relief of that I'm not gonna have to wear any of those calories that I ate but also I would exercise whenever I wanted a little endorphin hit. Like I remember like going to the gym, you know, and exercising for like, and I'd already worked out that day, but exercising for 20 minutes before anything that I did that I wanted to like, you know, feel uber confident and have a bit of an endorphin rush and, you know, like before a date or before an interview or before anything, like instead of, you know, it's, it's, I suppose it's healthy, you know, healthier in a sense of like before doing, you know, instead of doing a line of Coke before those things, I would just go and jump on the treadmill or the Stairmaster for like 20 minutes, get myself nice and endorphined up and, um, and then go do whatever I had to do. And so, you know, I was going to the gym several times a day. I actually worked at a gym, so that's how bad it got. But, uh, and then when I was in a lot of emotional pain, um, and I had been in emotional pain, you know, growing up a lot, you know, both my parents were alcoholics, um, and certainly like, you know, just the disease of um, food addiction. Uh, but I had, you know, gotten, I was at 13 years in recovery at that point. 
when the trauma memory surfaced and I, and so it was a whole new level of feeling um, the pain and the suffering of those memories, the body memories getting triggered, the emotional devastation, and then um, the feeling of betrayal um, by recovery, even though I knew, you know, one part of me felt very betrayed, um, but the other part of me knew that this was open heart surgery and I had to get this, these deep painful memories out of my system. And I can tell you now, you know, um, 14 years on that I absolutely am very, very grateful that all of that happened. It's like, you know, lancing a boil or, you know, doing open heart surgery and getting out like a, an old piece of shrapnel that's clogged in the center of your heart that's going to, you know, create a heart attack someday. And so in that sense, I feel very free. But at the time, even though I knew it was the, the best thing that was happening to me, it was the worst thing that had happened to me as an adult. And, um, and so all of these feelings came up and um, I relapsed, thankfully for a very short amount of time, but still during that time, I discovered the purging. And that was when um, I really discovered the building up, you know, using purging as a sense of, you know, this emotional buildup and then wanting to free it and get it out of my body. I just felt like I had this like black gnarly energy in my body and if I just and I would plan unconsciously not consciously like I could I would go home and that day I would just start eating and eating and eating a little bit at a time like nothing obvious but I would eat something and then I'd be done and then like I'd want to keep eating and then I'd be done and want to keep eating and then it would get to a point where I knew and I know myself so I can't handle being too full and uncomfortable it actually triggers me to feel uncomfortably full I can't handle it I will throw up um, because because of my body or my body issues around being a survivor being uncomfortable in my body is a big huge trigger for me so I knew that if I ate past full that I was setting myself up to purge and I would do that and I knew that it meant that I just had all of these feelings that I couldn't articulate and I couldn't name and I didn't understand and I just wanted them out. And so then I would purge and then after throwing up, what your body does is it thinks your body, when you throw up, your body thinks that you're sick. And so after you throw up, it rewards you with endorphins as a way to help your body heal. That's what your body is wired to do. Um, and so I would throw up and then I would get that endorphin rush after throwing up and I would feel relief and I would associate that relief with that I got all of these ugly dark feelings out. Now I didn't, but I had the feeling that I did. I had the feeling of relief. Um, and so I got stuck in that for a period of time. And then unfortunately, I don't recommend this, but I actually um, had to turn to something else. I had to do a harm reduction 
and kind of let myself get compulsive about something else over here that wasn't very harmful in order to um, stop the purging and it worked and so I'm a proponent of harm reduction um, it wasn't a drug or anything like that but I just knew that I was being compulsive about something else and I just was like you know what this is what I need to do right now because I'm really struggling with my faith um, at the time though I was definitely I was going to like two three one day I went to four meetings in order to um, maintain abstinence and um, and it was you know that one day I went to four meetings because I was so afraid to be alone um, with the food and I knew that I um, wanted to stay in recovery and I wanted to show up and do this painful work because I wanted to get free and uh, and so yeah I then got you know my recovery and I got abstinent and and then I had to you know do all the work um, you know the all the you know the step work and the therapy work and everything and that's when I really found the strength and the power of the fellowship because I the gift of desperation for me thank you the gift of desperation for me at that time was I I threw myself into the rooms like I had never done before and I um, I was graced with um, getting in OA I got a sponsor who was in AA and she you know taught me hardcore recovery and all the different things you have to do and using the tools every day and connecting with fellows every day and creating a God squad and creating connection and so that's you know how I got out of that and what I want to end with is you know that definitely I'm living a life beyond my wildest dreams absolutely um, at the same time what I'm looking at now in my recovery process around um, my uh, restricting behavior is how I have restricted my life in other ways and how my compulsion to restrict or my beliefs around restricting have carried itself into restricting myself from not having um, too much fun restricting myself from not having too much abundance, not having too much money, not having too much of anything. So now my my relationship, so for those of us with time, you know, I'm really looking at how, you know, this belief around, the, the beliefs I have around restricting, how there's, you know, these, you know, stereotypes of, you know, that to go without is a sort of, a more spiritual path or to restrict you know is a way of not of controlling my space and not letting things come into my space so for example um, you know to go out and to have fun would re requires vulnerability and would require me letting go and just surrendering to the moment and trusting and that's that's not easy for me to do so it's easier for me just to work or to do something that I feel in control of rather than surrender to just joy because joy requires vulnerability. Your relation, your ability to experience joy is directly proportionate to your ability to be vulnerable. And so that's where I'm at now with healing my restrictive behaviors and my you know compulsive behaviors is around my compulsion to control and my compulsion to restrict. And so, and I'm, you know, and again, I can't, step one is the principle of honesty and I can't heal anything that I'm not aware of. And so I'm very grateful to 
have this new level of awareness around my um, bulimic uh, restrictive behaviors. So hopefully uh, people got something out of that and I wanna thank everyone for allowing me to be of service. Thank you, Nicole.